0: This
2: is the CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barchies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed,
0: Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden.
2: Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, so I'm very excited for this podcast episode because we're going to be delving into what shaped us, the Spiral, but TV shows like really made us us. But first, we have to like... To our horn just a little bit because i don't know if y'all saw it but uh i live Bill reboot or revival it's a go
0: i mean we're just talking things into existence at this point um uh, our minds are too powerful right yes. right um let, uh, and if we talk about bringing legends of tomorrow back maybe we'll get a revival in the news next week um <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's wild to think. I'm very excited, obviously, that uh, I, the show, it's funny that we were talking about it on this episode. The show was quite influential to me when I was younger, even though I haven't actually watched it from start through finish. So it's pretty cool that it's getting the chance to come back. And I mean, as long as Calista Flockhart's on board, I will be tuning in. And we were
1: like right on the money. It's not about her daughter, Ellie Fields, It's about another character's daughter, which is like we were... On the same like road, it was just we took a different turn,
2: yeah, our brains are like right there. we were we were right there. We just missed the character, but the whole child, like is gonna be the protagonist part. That was on the money.
1: but what this tells me is that our pitches are like right in the or in the right area different network, yes. but we're in, we're in there.
2: <laughs> You're right in the pocket. So again, CW, I hope that you took wonderful notes from last week's episode. If not, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, it is
0: av-
2: available to you on basically every platform. Um, I just, you know, with the 2022-2023 landscape cemented for the CW, you know, just let 2023-2024, at least one to two of our ideas, if the mole brought them back to them, they might come up.
1: We're not picky. Take whichever mm-hmm. one do you want.
0: As long as I we know. get a producer's credit, we're happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, speak that that into existence. <laughs> uh, but I guess pivoting to the shows that shaped us since we are talking about um, television that sort of made us who we are. Let's kick it off with our first favorite shows, um, which mine um, was Sailor Moon. I love a magical girl. I truly do love the transformation sequences. Love how much like they kick butt and they fight. And I know I must have annoyed my mama every time we went to Blockbuster to pick up the same three VHSs. Because like if you were a millennial growing up, you know that the possibility of the tape that you wanted being there probably wasn't there, but you would find two others (laughs) and it would be fine.
1: (laughs) I feel like I watched Sailor Moon, but I have no memory of it. The title is just so familiar. I, th- mm-hmm. I must have watched it. I just don't remember it.
2: So, so do you remember like a blonde girl with pigtails, meatballs, which, which Darian called her, um, what was it? A Benga Tama, the manga. Yeah. She has like these big like buns at the top of her head and the oh, guy yeah, that she yeah, liked. Yeah. yeah. Would tease her about it.
1: Yeah. But I don't know if it's a memory of like actually watching or just like seeing pictures mm-hmm. later Not on. True. But I think true. I did watch it. I think it's a great influential show. And it mm-hmm. says a lot about your interests now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would yes. say,
1: like, strong female lead.
2: Yep, that, that's me. I guess that she, <laughs> is she? She's strong, she's female, she's fighting someone, we have attitude, we love things. Yes, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, What are your guys' favorite shows? What was the first thing you remember watching that you got obsessed with.
1: I go, like, all of the way back. It's definitely some sort of, like, Nickelodeon cartoon like Rugrats, I remember being like five and every night after dinner watching it and having dessert and watching ice cream and sitting on the floor and watching <laughs> Rugrats. Uh, but yeah, it's always like the the Nickelodeon shows and like the Disney Channel shows, like That's So Raven and Lizzie McGuire were the two shows that I was obsessed with and like needed to watch the new episodes when they aired or I was not happy.
2: <laughs> it's like, that's like seems to be the staple. It's, it's Nickelodeon, Disney Channel and Cartoon Network, especially for anyone who was like really into anime, because tsunami was everything. Mm-hmm. But like for like Nickelodeon, Reid, did you have a favorite Rugrat? Were you like a, a Tommy person, a Chucky?
1: I don't think so. That's a great question. <laughs> I think Angelica was really fun. I know she's was fun. she's a bully and she gets a bad rap, but I love those kinds of characters obviously like look at my favorite show now is dynasty that's basically (laughs) (laughs) Fallon. that
2: is true but she was really great i mean um scene stealing um a boss she had her own video like solo video games there's like one i think i had where like you it's a a mall adventure and like so you have to go to every shop and like do things with her it's vaguely there i remember it was a computer game back when things were like on cd-rom I know um, we're, we're dating ourselves here, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> I also really loved um, Susie Susie Carmichael. Yes, she. I feel like she always showed up. She wasn't there often, but when she did pop up, she was like, "I'm not taking anybody's crap." I loved her.
2: No, she was great, and she would um she would always have a great line, and always have to pull Angelica out of whatever mess that she mm-hmm. had created because she and like exasperated just like. <sighs>
1: Here we go again. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your okay. shows, Michael. Yeah, yeah what are your like shows? I'm
0: waiting. I mean, I mean like when you think of me, what do you think of? Like, let's be honest here. Superheroes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I am um, or my Clark Kent outfit today. <laughs> it's just for the occasion. Um, I have to say, thinking back, a lot of ones come to mind. So I'm not really sure chronologically which ones come first. But there are two TV shows, and they both share the same name batman um uh, batman the animated series is probably the series i remember growing up with the most it was on cartoon network all the time and to my to this day it is still one of my favorite shows surprise surprise um, also uh batman 1966 the adam west series i grew up on that i loved finding out what happened next time same bat time same bat channel always obsessed with the cliffhangers obsessed with the villains um, both of those would have been on quite regularly in my childhood um along with probably superman the animated series it wasn't so cool back in the day how all the animated shows were just called title the animated series we had batman yes. the animated series <laughs> superman the animated series spider-man the animated series x-men the animated series i could go on but i'm not going to um, but probably i would say i have vivid memories of all of them and maybe also the likes of pokemon dragon ball Z, um and yet rugrats would have been in there as well um, trying to think of other kids' programs. Barney the Dinosaur. Oh, oh Barney. Barney yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Got to go with the classics. What an icon
1: Barney is. I know, Wait, that, okay, I have so, so many memories. I have a question about, okay, obviously Sabrina and I are talking about American television. We grew up with American television, but you mentioned Cartoon Network and I never thought about it until I guess this moment. Was Cartoon Network the same in the UK as it was here?
0: Oh, That's question. That's a good question. I know, I think it was a version of it. Like we wouldn't, and probably because of licensing issues, we wouldn't have gotten everything at the same time that you guys got them. But like we did have a fully blown Cartoon Network channel. It wasn't just like nowadays, you see Warner Brothers programs on every network under the sun. It's, we just had an actual Cartoon Network channel that showed Cartoon Network programs. So you'd have Batman, you'd have The Mask, you'd have Freakazoid, you'd have all those things that were on the normal Cartoon Network as well. And I think at 10 p.m. it would change to tnt and all the adult programs would come on oh Um, that's interesting yeah so Um, you didn't get
2: adult swim then
0: i don't think so now i did know of some other programs but i think it would have been through something like tnt i remember being obsessed as a kid because they would show adverts for like batman returns which was fifth for 15 year olds over here so i was like oh i want to watch batman returns on tnt Mm -hmm. so um it was kind of cool. Obviously, you'd have Batman the cartoon in the daytime and then Batman Returns at nighttime. So it kind of, it's stayed in relation to it. But yeah, Cartoon Network was a big thing over here. It still is. But I feel like just as with everywhere in the world, th- those those shows of the classic days gone by were the big thing. And now it, modern shows just aren't up to scratch. I'll always be biased if, if, to, towards the 90s, but just modern cartoons aren't up to scratch. It's oh, so
2: the struggle here.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really a Cartoon Network kid, so it's really interesting to hear about that. I feel like I had so many friends that watched like Dexter's Laboratory and yeah, was The one with the there was a dog, and then like
2: oh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, dog. yeah, which was so scary as a kid.
1: (laughs) I think I watched it once and it just wasn't for me. I, I tried to, I tried my best to be a Cartoon Network kid. And I was like, it's just not hitting the same for me
0: as Nickelodeon and Disney. My mom hated it when I watched Courage of the Cowardly Dog. Um, I was obsessed with it as a kid. Like looking back now, it should not have been on for kids. That was not a kid's program. But like, you'd sit there and you'd watch along and then you'd be terrified by a stupid dog or a booga 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 <laughs> and all of the terrifying things that would happen at it. But like, that shaped my childhood.
2: Yes, it was one of those, I, it took me the longest time to watch it because I was scared. Every, I remember they even moved it to a later time mm-hmm. because I think there might have been complaints from parents being like, this is not a daytime cartoon uh, because it was it was really weird and more grotesque than children's television at the time was. Uh, and it was scary. Um, and they had, a, um, I would say it was like Cartoon Network's version of what thrilling, horrific television could be mm-hmm. for children without going over the line.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think now where the line actually is, because that would absolutely be over the line in today's day and age. Obviously, you see all the entertaining programs that kids would watch today, like Paw Patrol or stuff like that. where would you see that kind of thing on kids' television today. So it's just it's really interesting looking back now. I say I was obsessed with that as a kid, and I was, but I wouldn't want my own kids or anyone to be obsessed with it because <laughs> it's so dark.
1: I feel like Disney kind of did that a few years ago with that show Gravity Falls. Did you guys ever watch that show?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. It
1: was like a kid's show, but not really. I remember I watched it with my nephew and we both like loved it. But it's so funny to look back that now I feel like mostly adults watch that show. Gravity <laughs> Falls, <laughs> Cause it had such mature themes and like, I mean, not super mature, you know what I mean? But th- some of the things that they did and talked about in that show, I know they went, Way above my four year old nephew's head when he was watching at the time. He just liked the pig. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, if it was like if Disney had a teen Disney section, it probably would have aired in that time slot the same way that like older skewing Nickelodeon shows would air on Teen Nick when that was a thing. Oh, uh, yeah. But like Victorious and um, I'm a, other ones are escaping me right now because I started aging out of programming by the time they really started doing that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna bring up um, all that. That was another show that so I, fun. L- I never missed growing up, and also Keenan and Kel was another one that I really loved on Nickelodeon. I don't Who remember loves it now. the show
2: though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the show was so like dramatic and out there, but it was so fun.
2: They don't really do sketch comedy shows for kids anymore, I know they, they revived or rebooted all that. And it didn't really last yeah. that long. It, like, I, it was an, a 90s thing that really worked then. And now they don't really do that with kids. Like with the Amanda show was also funny. I loved the Amanda show.
1: Oh, I love that show too. I loved Amanda Bynes.
2: She was so good. So funny. <sighs> funniest one. One of the funniest ones on, on the oh, shows. yeah.
1: Yeah. And on all that, she, I love, I always, I think that she's the reason why I loved all that. Because when she did that, what was the sketch she did? It was like ask Ashley. <laughs>
2: yes, she was like
1: on her bed and like taking questions and giving the worst advice.
2: <laughs> yes, and she'd she's like, "That's me." <laughs> it was did the you...
1: funniest thing she had done. Oh, of course. Did you guys get all that over there, Michael? I'm just, I'm gonna keep asking you about this. Oh, please. This, do, this please line do. of questioning. I don't know yes. if I have
0: all of the answers, but um, I don't remember it being on TV. I will say that there is a lot of programs you have mentioned now. I'm like, oh, yeah, we had that and we had that. But I have said that's one I don't remember. Obviously, I'm aware of the, the stars that would come from those programs like Victorious and uh, Amanda Bynes, of course. But I don't remember that program being on. But I, I will say kind of like how you were the cartoon. You weren't the Cartoon Network head. There was a lot of that stuff that a lot of my generation did talk about as well. Some stuff on Nickelodeon and T Nick as well that I'd never read. I think I kind of missed that. A lot of people who were slightly older than me would talk about stuff, and a lot of people who were slightly younger than me would talk about that stuff. But I was just busy watching Cartoon Network. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or wrestling. It could have been like, yeah. depending on when the time slot was, wrestling might yeah. have been
0: on. Yes, I forgot to mention that. Yes. Um, I kind of missed that. My brothers grew up in the era of wrestling. Um and then when I started watching and none of my friends talked about it, and I was like left out in the cold. But I had my twin brother, so it's all right. Um uh but like definitely another formative. Can you call it a TV show? It's probably basically a long-running soap. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> not a soap, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like a formative for me without a doubt. I, when I was six years old, I was moaning about The Undertaker and Ken. When I was 26 years old, I was moaning about The Undertaker and Ken. So it stayed with me my whole life. Um it's funny it was kind of bigger back in the day back in the old mm-hmm. WWF, hulk was. hogan stone cold the undertaker days whereas nowadays other than like john cena and the likes of the undertaker you don't really have those big household names like if i mentioned went up to a randomer and said name me a modern day wwe superstar they probably couldn't whereas 20 years ago you had hulk hogan the rock the undertaker can all of them whereas it's just it, i feel like that's just a product of its time and of course it'll last forever but I uh, the it was the good old days of the WWF oh you can't beat them.
1: Wrestling was so popular when we were kids. It feels like it was on a lot of channels or maybe we just like kept seeing commercial sport and it felt like it was everywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> but now yeah. it seems like UFC kind of took over. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. It was so popular and I'm trying not to think get of into like, like so sports. Even talk about
2: it. <laughs> But like it was like it was theater too, right? Like so you you couldn't escape the playground without someone, regardless of gender, getting on the slide, jumping off it, and like doing whoever their favorite wrestler's speech was and like throwing wood chips as they like <laughs> as everyone else is like applauding from the side and doing that <sighs> sound for the crowd. <laughs> Cause I mean, it was so much fun to pretend to be your favorite wrestler. And of course, then like play fight, but also be aware of the, like the teacher standing to the side. So I yeah. don't think you're actually fighting with anybody. Yeah, like, Don't yep. get in our way. We're having fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's it. A lot of people used to ask me when I was younger, why do you watch that? It's it's rehearsed or what's the fun in watching people batter each other? I'm like, no, I watched it for the theater off. And I think I love that word. I definitely watched it for the theater off. It. If it was just two people, two nobodies tearing each other apart, there's no fun in that. Like you're watching like an undead zombie battle as flamethrowing brother. Like you, you can't, you can't. It's like a TV show. You can't beat that stuff. Um. So I, I watched just for the theatrics. My favorite wrestlers were always the more supernatural, theatrical ones. And I think as the program's getting more realistic in today's day and age it's more more boring of course the wrestling itself is amazing but it's just it's not as fun as it used to be so i can see why in the late 90s when you had all those comic book animated shows that you had all those like over the top 90s programming why something like wrestling really would take off and that era you mentioned was called the attitude era everybody was watching it between 1997 and 2001 it was after that it started dropping off again but just that period for wrestling, that period for like theater entertainment, or what do they call it? Sports entertainment was just what a time to be alive. And I'm so glad I grew up in that era because I don't think I'd be the fan of it I am now if I grew up in it, with it today.
1: That reminds me of also like reality television. Like we grew up with like the start of reality television, not just like the game shows, but also just like the reality shows like um the Osborns and newlyweds and the shows that I loved, which were Laguna beach in the Hills, <laughs> which were so fabricated, but so addicting. And I watched every episode. Um, but like even today getting into a little bit, how television has changed um, it, it, reality television is so different. Like now it's not just people being filmed. It's people, being aware of what could happen if they go on a reality show, they can gain like followers and then Mm -hmm. suddenly they have a job on Instagram, not to knock that hustle, but it's just something that I noticed even on big brother show that I've watched for 20 years. Now there's people on there that see like, Oh, these house guests can get thousands of followers on Instagram and then they can, you know, make money off of that. And it just kind of waters down the reality television entertainment because back in the day i'm watching these four girls in los angeles fight with each other in nightclubs and it was just perfect television but nowadays like it's so different like all those mtv reality shows like i can't even get into them and maybe that just comes with age too like i aged out of being able to watch that kind of stuff
2: well there were also like tears to the reality tv game like there was the wild west of it where the producers didn't get involved at all and you would see people's entire lives be destroyed and blown up mm-hmm. in then like on the real world um and then they, oh, the they real world it's so intense back in the day it was massively intense the way i should they not have been nine them. years
1: old watching that show <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it was really real it's like you would sneak it on and you'd watch it and you'd be like oh my god Like everything is happening like this. And there were, there was back then the drama didn't necessarily feel as fabricated. Like, of course you get the like behind the scenes stories where the cast would tell you producers would egg them on when they'd have altercations, but now producers don't even need to egg you on because so-and-so is going to fight with someone else because they know their followers are watching and they want that follower account bump, or they want to like make sure that they're shouting out somebody because if the producers may not know, but they have a partnership with someone or they've been guaranteed money for something. And it's like, it's so different in the way it used to be. Um, but I will say back in the day, we did get things like my super sweet 16, which probably should never have been on air. <laughs> <laughs> but it was flawless, chaotic television.
0: That actually, I do want to ask you guys something now. I think reads the same line of question. <laughs> is reality television still as big over there now as it was when you guys were growing up or when you guys were uh, in your 20s early 20s was is it still the same now or has it kind of like fallen off it's kind of
1: different now there's not as many reality shows that's like documentary style that follows Mm -hmm. like some famous person around their life it's all very i mean we still have the bachelor we still have the bachelorette we have all those like game shows and competition series but There's really nothing. I mean, maybe the Kardashians.
2: Yeah, but everything's like a franchise now. Like, you have like eight different versions of the Real Housewives (laughs) selling Sunset,
1: and like, yeah, yeah. it's not the same. It's all very, um, or it feels, I don't want to say, because I don't want to, I don't really watch any of these shows, but it just all feels very produced
2: and packaged. Like, like Mm -hmm. they knew what they wanted to do. I felt like that way about the, um, is so it Bling Empire mm-hmm. uh, on, on Netflix? And I was like, this is not given, like what I remember the Hills giving and Luthu and Beach given." And I was like into it. I didn't finish actually season one. I was into it. But I was like, these people are very aware they're on a reality TV show though. Like yeah. it'd been it, fine if it was actually scripted. It'd been fine.
1: There's too much, like maybe too much self-awareness that they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: It's interesting because over here, I feel like, we had that big reality television wave when the likes of Big Brother were on and that kind of like, oh, you could never find a bigger reality show than that. And then obviously it was Celebrity, Big Brother. And then Big Brother moved around networks. It was a mess. But um, uh, then nowadays you see like maybe one or two of these reality shows and they're like the next big thing. And maybe they'll put their, if they're lucky, they'll pull in one million viewers or two million viewers, but people don't tune into it the way they used to. The only exception is Love Island, not my thing. But like uh, it, apparently it, it, it draws really well They have two seasons off At now a year Because it draws so well For ITV But I feel like The reality television Kind of took a turn About 12, 13 years ago When talent shows started um, Because the X Factor Was the be all And end all over here For about six or seven years Of its run At no, And every type of reality TV Tried to compete with that And couldn't um, And you had You had the prime years Of the X Factor That produced the likes Of Leon Lewis One Direction Alexander Burke All them ones Little mix. Little next, of course. I feel like they just <laughs> fell outside the prime of the X Factor and then they revived it for a, few, for a year or two after that. Oh,
1: those girls um, always, you know, they're the blueprint.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I remember watching them um, and that, that was one of my favorite stories. It felt like the comeback series because the show had kind of died off the seasons Okay, so that's for that bringing this up. Series.
1: I just all of our listeners to know that I. I feel so deeply jealous of michael every time we bring up little mix and he says that he watches them on <laughs> he watched them on x factor there's a part inside of me that is so just
0: jealous <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you about it in explicit detail later <laughs> um uh, and i went to that year as tour so i saw them perform live i have to, i will throw that in there um but um <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, uh, I saw their
1: last show from the comfort of my couch
0: (laughs) I mean I could have done that too On a dodgy live stream (laughs) Dodgy live stream welcome to my world Um, uh, But yeah no there were a lot of um, talent shows That They were kind of the comeback year of the X Factor And then it just fell off the face of the earth after that And it ran for about six more years And then died a slow painful death With everyone like how much longer does it have to be on for the only thing reality that kind of brings the viewers in now and the funny thing is it's been one of the longest running one is strictly come dancing which is your version of dancing with the stars we started it over here ours is the first series that's why it's the only one with the name strictly come dancing whereas it's dancing with the stars everywhere else in the
1: world i like that title better
0: yeah yeah Yeah. we always like have to tune into strictly on a saturday night it's fancier Um, and it brings yes. in like 11 to 12 million viewers a night. It used to lose to the X Factor. And then the X Factor started losing that. And even now, years after the X Factor has gone, it still brings in 11 to 12 million viewers every Saturday night. Nothing over here can touch strictly on a Saturday in the winter nothing and uh, anytime someone mentions reality TV to me that's instantly the first thing I think of and it probably gives it a much classier reputation because reality TV isn't considered classy but uh, strictly Mm -hmm. is like good old-fashioned night night of entertainment ballroom dancing you don't you can't get better entertainment than that and I think that's why it continues to be the be-all and end-all of saturday night tv in the uk and even now it feels relevant because i did grow up watching but i was never really a fan of it until like the last six or seven years because it feels like the last survivor of that generation of reality tv Uh, even now nothing can touch it
2: i don't think i can't think of anything that we have that with maybe the exception to big brother where nothing can touch it oh and and i guess the bachelor i don't know i just think that so
1: that too It's gone for like a million years.
2: (laughs) It has and so has Amazing Race, but like my mind doesn't immediately go to it. And that might just be because I'm not a survivor person. Um, In fact, um, sometimes I forget it's on until, you know, you see the the tribal council and the tikis and um, they start telling you once again that they're back. And I'm like, no one's tired of being stranded on islands. No one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have like the voice in American Idol, which is back, but they- I feel like they don't have the impact that um, at least American Idol doesn't have the impact that it used to. I watch it because I love Katy Perry, but it it's not creating like Kelly Clarkson's anymore. And then like the mm-hmm. voice, there's always that um, that commentary that no one can name a winner from that show. I can't in this moment. Um, no. It just seems like it's more about the the judges, but it's popular, I guess I I, I try to tune into that show specifically for the judges that i like but i never usually stick with it i did watch I th- the american uh, x factor though
0: was it which, good thoughts uh,
1: i think i so this, was there a season before the one that britney was on um that's probably a yes. horrible question to ask there was one that <laughs> went
0: through like a few judges didn't they because simon cow started with like cheryl who was big over here and then he got rid of her like early on um And then she was replaced by one or two judges. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it's... I watched the season with Brittany and Demi Lovato. And then there was another season, I think, with Demi and Kelly Rowland. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that, it was canceled.
0: That's wild that it didn't like it it came over there when it was in its peak over here. And it's kind of funny how the audience didn't translate because maybe it just couldn't compete with American Idol.
1: Yeah, we got Fifth Harmony and they were like, I think that's as good as we're going to get. And they just stopped making the show.
0: Ah. Uh. That would never have happened over here. Cause like, look how long I went on for. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, maybe it'll come back. American Idol came back after like a two year hiatus. I don't know, it but it's like,
2: <laughs> no, but it's like, a, it's just a legacy title that they have now. Uh, because like you said, no one is who's popping on American Idol that we're like aware of in the mainstream. Uh, and perhaps we just have too many singing contests or contests in general. Cause like there's, there's American Idol, there's The Voice, there's America's Got Talent, um, which I think people forget about, which I think, I don't remember if they finished or if they're currently on right now. I can't name you a single one off of there either.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think that's on Netflix over here. So I didn't even know that was still going America's on until, Got I, Talent? Yeah, until I was on <laughs> Netflix and they just seen it advertised. That's interesting. It is.
2: Like what gets acquired and what does not. Hmm. America's Got Talent would have been one I thought would have arrived at Netflix UK
0: no talent. I don't think talent shows should should be on streamers at all it doesn't work no speaking of
1: Dancing with the Stars
0: exactly <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking of. That,
2: that, that change is going to be interesting I wonder if the Disney Plus bump uh, well if it gets a Disney Plus bump what that will be like for everybody involved
0: is it still airing on was it Ebby is it still airing on TV or is it just moving completely to streaming now I, I want to say
2: it's full streaming. Like they just hopped platforms. Uh, which could make or break it. Yeah. We'll see.
0: People then have to make an effort to tune in instead of flecking it on. I don't know whether that would work. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting to see how it's changed. Because I feel like in its heyday. That show was probably pulling like 20 million viewers a week. Just like in that era of ABC. Where like you had Grey's and Lost mm-hmm. and Desperate Housewives. All pulling like 20 million viewers a week. And now that is a number that's so unheard of 20 million viewers a week. No, it doesn't happen anymore.
2: And it doesn't. And I think broadcast is still trying to adjust. I'm going to stop myself from going on a tangent, but I really just think it's because we're living in the peak TV age and there's just far too much programming all happening at the same, on the same times, all on different networks, some of them. And then you have like streaming dropping stuff too. So like, yeah, great. So and so, such and such show, this new show is dropping on broadcast, but all episodes of this one series I've been waiting a long time for just dropped on Netflix. So no, I will not be turning into the premiere and probably will not be tuning in next week. And so I'll catch up with you on episode three. Oh, but you canceled the show halfway through the season. I can still be catching up now. <laughs>
0: It's funny. I think the idea of broadcast TV is going out of fashion because we're getting more streaming shows. It'll never be fully out of fashion because at the end of the day, the people you want to appeal to are the ones that sit down at the end of the night and flick on the TV, and they might not make the effort to flick on a streaming service. So there'll always be something on broadcast TV, but it is interesting to see how it changed. And to use another example that I grew up with, the British shops. They're still legendary. They're some of the longest running soaps you'll ever say, but are, 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 you know, the way your daytime soaps would run during the day, but they're like the long running ones. And then your primetime soaps would be considered like Gossip Girl or Dynasty or whatever, which are basically just TV shows over here. Primetime soaps are like the daytime ones or the long running ones that have been running for 30, 40 years or whatever They produce episodes every night. EastEnders, and then when it was first on in 1985, I think one of the Christmas episodes drew 30 million viewers. But on average, EastEnders would have drawn between 21 to 10 million viewers in its first 15 years. Now it draws like 1.9 or 2.1, and they're still solid numbers. But I just think that goes to show you how little people are actually tuning into television on the night anymore. There's just far too much selection these days. And when you have things like, when you have things, like wrestling, like soaps that have been on for years, and they require you to have tuned into previously to understand what's going on currently. A lot of people just won't make that commitment when it's far easier to binge watch eight episodes of a new TV series on Netflix instead.
2: That's true, but just to make a case for soap operas, you can just drop into them, y'all. You'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> for instance, I love. I have a love-hate relationship with The Bold and the Beautiful. I've been watching it since I was a preteen. And many of the storylines are cyclical, but that's the nature of soap operas. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to know what Eric Forrester was doing in 1986 with whoever. It's fine, they might reference it. <laughs> there might even be a child that is now grown that was involved. You'll figure it out. Not to mention they change storylines all the time. But like you, like so-and-so will be like, they mysteriously passed away like 10 years ago, but now they're back and they were never dead.
0: Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Like, that's that's then, <laughs> like our British hopes all over, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then when they come back, like the backstories usually changed. And so you'll just like those of us who remember, which like, she didn't come from an island in Nantucket or something. She came from such and such. And like, and she doesn't have a child, but now she does have a child. And you're just like, just, just go with it. Yeah. Just watch exactly. it. Because the, the fun is the silliness. It's the, mm. like, it's the, it's the legacy bits of it. It's, Um, yelling at the TV because so-and-so should be um, like 50-something, but they recasted them and now we're at 30 because they need someone to go with with one of the (laughs) 30-year-olds. Like, it's ridiculous and it's lovely. And like, just tune into it. You do not have to know all 40 years, or in some cases, like 70 years of a story to watch it. I feel like
1: the daytime soaps, they have a slower pace. Because I remember my mom watched all the soaps when I was a kid because they were like so popular when we were a kid, Mm -hmm. like the daytime soaps. Um, And I feel like I would always like see the TV and the characters would be like in the same room, in the same outfits, having the same argument. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. And there's this great joke in The Nanny, which is another show that is one of my first favorites and has been really influential to me that I still watch all the time. um, Where in that show, really, it's a sitcom, but that show really tapped into the soap culture and made soap seemed like they were like the biggest thing in the world, which they kind of were. And, but that's something that's really important to the character in the nanny, but there's this joke where she's watching a soap and someone sits down and watches it with her. Who's never seen it. And um, the other person is like, Oh, I'm never going to be able to like catch up or know what's happening. And, sh- and Fran goes, Oh honey, you'll be lucky if the coffee she's making is done next week. <laughs> 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 it's like so true. Like, cause those shows, like they move. A little bit slower even though there's always so much going on
0: mm. yeah I, I think that's what I think a lot of this generation sometimes struggles with commitment because you can binge watch something I think that was why soaps thrived back in the day when there was less competition because you would stick with things you would you would follow through on the obsessive characters and the ridiculous storylines and It's funny, I don't know if you guys heard, but the classic Australian soap Neighbours recently ended. It shouldn't have ended, but Neighbours has produced some of the biggest stars in the world. Margot Robbie was one of them. Um, Kylie Minogue was one of them. Um, Eliza Taylor and Bob Morley from The 100, they were two of them. Um, So Neighbours has just given the world so much great great stars over the years. But it recently ended after 37 years because one of their networks decided to pull funding, and that was it. It was still very popular, but that's a shame. But um, when when it was announced that Margot Robbie... Sent the cast um, 37 bottles of wine To celebrate their 37 years on the air Someone commented underneath Margot, I love you But I'm not tuning into 37 seasons of a TV show <laughs> that's, that, that's not how soaps are Where,
1: But like there, soaps don't even stream full seasons anywhere do they, they don't, it's
0: really <laughs> hard to find them. <laughs>
1: it's, it's like really a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing You just kind of hop on the train
0: or stay off of it <laughs> Exactly yeah. I, mean, I think that's sometimes why they struggle to survive in today's day and age Because Well, we're in the HBO Max era now, so that's not necessarily a good example. But before this HBO Max drama started of things being snapped out of existence, Soaps were the only place that didn't or the only show that didn't really have a place to go. Every TV show would wind up on some streaming service or a DVD at the very least or iTunes or somewhere like that whereas soaps aren't stored anywhere. So people wouldn't be tuning into the old episodes or anything. So it was very very hard to find them. So in this era where you can, where everything's immortal, it still felt like soaps weren't. So maybe that's why a lot of them haven't survived this current era.
1: That's another thing that's changed in this new era of television is that we're watching more shows from start to finish and people are less likely to watch a show if they can't watch it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Whereas I remember growing up, like... I started watching friends, which is another show. That's really one of my first favorites. Um, I just started, I hopped in on TBS reruns, like halfway into the show. And then I eventually did watch it from the beginning, but like, I didn't need to start at season one to just like hop into the show. Did I know what was going on? No, I was also 12 and had no idea what was going (laughs) on anyway, (laughs) but like, I could just like hop into, and it's a sitcom that helps, but you can just like hop into any show. I you guys know, I love watching a show out of context. I will watch any episode, it doesn't matter, I don't care. And maybe that's just from the time we were we grew up in where you could go on any channel and any episode of any show would be on and you would just watch it randomly. Um so I'm I feel like with streaming it is it's a it's a pro that people are watching complete stories instead of just like um hopping in season five I think that's beneficial to like the creator's vision to see the full thing but I also think I, I miss like just like waking up on a Saturday morning and turning on MTV and being like oh I'll just watch this random episode of Laguna Beach for
0: the eighth time <laughs> you know I guess um... I remember sitcoms yesterday a lot of sitcoms would do you could do that with you just pop into the middle of it and you fallen fall in love with it instantly, but it, it, you, you wouldn't need the backstory, whereas nowadays, obviously, people do start from the beginning.
2: Yeah, the writing, um, and this might not be true, but it's a feeling that I have um, where obviously back in the day, people were writing to make complete stories, but there was also the knowledge that people would be starting in the middle of a season. So you would like, you might be half something that happened 30 episodes ago because we're bringing it back into the Mm storyline where now um, with the way that television is streamlined, unless you're talking about procedurals, um, you really do have to know what's happening if you want to enjoy the story. And that was not the case when um, we were kids, you would just, you know what, you would hop in, you'd go, someone would tell you what was happening maybe five episodes later, and you'd be fine. Uh, and that's not, there's more complete storytelling now than there previously was. And just to be honest, sometimes you don't need to see the first season of a television show. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just about the arcs someone's in. That's the thing about soap operas. It's not, you don't need to see the beginning, you need to see certain arcs. And hopefully, someone had it on a VHS tape because. They don't sell
1: DVDs. So oh my God, DHS tapes. I had, okay, we're going to, I'm going to go on a little side story here. Growing up, I had this TV that had a built-in VCR.
0: Ah, yes. Um, yes. And
1: you could schedule recordings on it. Like oh. I could put the tape in and like go through the settings. And like, if I was going to be at like whatever school event at night and I was like, I don't want to miss Unfabulous. <laughs> I could schedule my TV to record it on the VHS I thought it was the most revolutionary thing in the world I had a DVR before the DVR was a thing <laughs> oh, I oh, I missed that TV
0: yeah we did the yeah. we did the exact same thing you're in, half in a moment there right? I know like
1: I missed that t- <laughs> it was so cool i thought it was the best thing in the world that i could schedule recordings on a
0: tape
2: (laughs) it was the best thing in the world
0: we did the exact same thing um our brothers used to record uh the wrestling so it would be the pay-per-views on sunday night raw on monday night and then smackdown on friday night and then when i got started getting obsessed with i was like no we need to keep this episode of smackdown new video and then it would be a new vhs and a new vhs and new vhs but we had a tv that you could also schedule recording on it so uh Yeah. Oh man, that woke up a memory for me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then the fear that like someone would pop the tape out
0: because they weren't paying
2: attention or like you said, having to put in a new video because you're like, okay, this says it has six hours on it. I know we've recorded three hours of something. We're going to grab another VHS tape because I refuse to let it pop out and I'm not home. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> and you could record a long play or short play, and one of them wasn't as good quality as the other. And if you recorded over it too many times, it would get worse and worse, worse quality. And I'm like, okay, guys, we need to change the VHS now.
2: <laughs> or with the blue screen of death because you watch something yes, too much. Yeah. So like one like maybe 15 minutes of a VHS tape that you recorded is just blue, and you have <laughs> to fast forward because you watched <laughs> one scene too many times.
0: I did that with an episode of Batman the Animated Series, and then I tried to eject the video and. The tape came out, but the actual like tape got stuck in the machine, so you had to like oh, no. the video was gone after that. Oh no.
2: Sad, sad times. We were struggling sometimes. The yeah, agency. the technology <laughs> we
0: had just was not up to scratch.
2: <laughs> just to date ourselves some more, do you remember the um the dial up internet and then having to yes. get off if someone oh, yeah, needed yeah, to yeah. make a phone call?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, exactly. I remember my uh once my dad was on the phone to my nanny and I started connecting to the internet via the dial-up and I could hear the actual conversation on my computer <laughs> because it was crossing over with the lines. So it was like, okay, this <laughs>
1: oh my god what a time (laughs)
2: uh, i'm being yelled at to get off like you've been on there for two hours are you done like i just have to color one more part of sailor moon's dress and then i'll be off
1: (laughs) i would just be like doing nothing i would be on like aol instant messenger and like reading wikipedia pages that was what i did when (laughs) i was in middle school
0: (laughs) oh man
2: good times and there were less internet pages too. So there was mm. less trouble to, there was less of a, uh, of a um, dark turn to take on the internet. And there <laughs> is now. Now there's just an endless rabbit hole and you have to pull yourself back out of it.
1: Yeah, it was so much more innocent. Like every singer had a, a website that I would like just go on and check regularly because they actually used it for like fun things and not just promotion. And like the Disney Channel show games were just Chef's Kiss, the best games on the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't consider myself a gamer But I was in the Disney Channel era
2: I think all 90s kids ha- Are a little bit of gamers Simply because mm-hmm. there was so much game culture in everything Like all, a lot of the shows had to have A, a side game Like the, all the kids network shows Had to like come to the games area of Nickelodeon Like Nick.com and Cartoon Network.com And they'd be on like the little flash player And be like five minutes but you'd spend like an hour Playing the same game over and over and over again
1: Oh, they were the best. There was a Kim Possible one that I loved. It was like the little the mole rat. What's his name? Rufus. He was like building yeah. like nachos or something. I would play that for hours.
2: <laughs> oh, you'd have to stack it, right? It would move, and it, yeah. it would, the, the nacho would drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the nostalgia. This pot episode warms my heart so much.
1: It was so fun. It's a it's a good change to the from the past few weeks of uh, yeah. dense CW.
0: News and it just felt like an Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we needed to unwind after everything they put us through.
2: <laughs> yes, and like, and we're just gonna ignore WVD for now
0: because, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, they're in timeout. Yes, they are in um, timeout, ignoring everything today. Yeah,
2: they're in Tommy's playpen
0: with no <laughs> reptile and no building blocks. <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs>
2: okay but we do have to um move forward to what we're watching but we're still in a nostalgic sort of vibe because reed you have a dynasty addendum
1: i do i forgot so much about last week's episode to include and it was really big stuff so it only feels right to circle back um we've all been kind of crossing our fingers for like some sort of victorious reunion on dynasty. We're pulling for Ariana whose sweater I'm wearing today. Um, If you're watching, you can, it's her sweetener album cover. Anyway. um, It was not Ariana yet. We'll keep manifesting. It was Matt Bennett who is really close friends with Liz still. And he popped up during the bachelor auction and I, it completely slipped my mind because I I was shook when it happened because no one, to my knowledge, announced it. So I was like, Matt Bennett? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a really sweet moment for Liz to get her friend in right in the end. Um, but beyond that fun cameo, I also forgot about everything that was going on with Adam. I'm sorry, guys. Um, it's a lot. He's been working on this, like, injectable thing. It's some sort of, like, cosmetic thing. I don't know why he's allowed to develop something that people can put in their faces but i mean it's dynasty so he found out that the formula was like harming people i don't know if he was actually people were actually dying or if that was like the trajectory of what this injectable was going to do and he was being investigated by the fda and he was working on this with alexis it's her brand i want to say and she finds out that he's kind of like teaming up with Blake to get out of this mess. And like Blake's helping him, which is a big deal because Adam and Blake have a rocky relationship, which Michael, you can attest to. Oh yeah. And um, so Blake is like, of course I'll help you, which is again, shocking, but it's heartwarming to Adam. I hate to see him win, but I was like, he really needs that validation from his father. Um, So Blake helps him. But in the end, Alexis pulls up, on adam in blake's office with dea agents and it was one of the wildest things like she's just like flanked by dea agents i'm like (laughs) how is alexis doing this (laughs) but it was it was really funny and again i keep saying this but it's really going to be interesting to see how all this shakes up in the final three episodes like is adam going to go to prison i don't know he deserves it anyway um there's also dominique might be getting a love interest in the run-up of the series finale she hasn't really ever had like a romance besides mm-hmm. like her little fling with cole Haynes, spoiler alert um but she now that she's like a big fashion designer and has like a um a line that she shows on tv on their version of what's that station called where they have the people bravo no where they like sell clothes and stuff
2: oh um Oh, it's, like, right there. I know HSN. I know mean, oh, okay. yeah. But it's, yes? it's
0: it's Fallon's shopping network. <laughs> 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 I
1: think it's called FSN or something. I don't know. Yes, yes. Um, but-
0: where I am currently, they're just threading that needle thread. Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Dom has a successful... Um, I think she just launched a line for, like, um, flight attendants. It's really random. Um, but she has a stalker, so she needs to get security. And... It's there's some fireworks with her bodyguard, even though I'm still like, don't trust the bodyguard because again, it's dynasty. Like, is he the stalker? We'll find out, but it was really exciting. And that's my dynasty addendum. <laughs> All the stuff I forgot
2: <laughs> so much is happening on dynasty. Still, again, I say, what other soap operas are doing it like dynasty,
1: right? None, none, zero primetime soaps. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I wonder if Adam will go to jail, but like you said, no one stays in jail long, but yeah. perhaps he'll just be carried away in the finale saying, like, remember me, and that'll be <laughs> the end of him.
1: I mean, I don't want to give away the spoiler for any fans, but there's a certain character that's coming back in the series finale we found out, so I think some stuff's going to hit the fan. Long over two. It has to. Yeah.
2: Then we want some explosions. I <laughs> mean, they like if there's any like CW show, I think that really maybe exception in the Batwoman that really used the end of their um of their journey on the CW well it seems like it was Dynasty
1: yeah I w- I know earlier on in the podcast I was sort of like I can't see the end game from where we are this doesn't feel like where it should end I, it, not in sort of like a fan like I'm gonna hold on to this until forever it was just I couldn't really see how this show would plot toward an end game. Cause it's such a primetime soap. It's like, you don't expect things to all be wrapped up in a bow. It doesn't need to have that like perfect, happy ending. Cause all these characters are not great people. So you're like, it was hard for me to see them just like so quickly have to flip the switch to like, we need to bring the show to an end. But now that it is getting there, it's still the same show that it was like, they're still doing like one-off stories about Fallon um, feuding with rich women and all that kind of stuff um, but it does feel like like you said Sabrina they're they're using their time wisely and they're doing really good character work I would say and um, bringing back loose threads that are like oh we need to deal with Adam being a low-key criminal for three seasons
2: <laughs> and they got additional episodes right they got a um, an episode account bump
1: it's just twenty two.
2: Just no matter that they before did they have 22 episodes they knew they were getting matt going in or did they get yeah. additional episodes oh, okay yeah
1: yeah it was always 22.
2: oh well good for that yeah. honestly
1: it's the largest order on the cw i think Ooh. next to riverdale cool next yeah. to riverdale yeah, yeah. okay thank you well. international for that <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay. uh so update on the nancy Drew situation for like I'm gonna hold off on the, the Nick and Nancy part, but I have to say I had so much fun watching this episode. Episode six is a ride, and I enjoyed it.
1: I remembered this episode just visually. I had I knew there was an episode coming up from when I first watched it in 2019 of this house party and all mm-hmm. those like lights and that like the the glamour of it. I had that in my mind and I was like, when does this episode come up? And I remember not. I'm sorry. I remember not liking it when I first watched it, but on the second watch, it is an episode.
2: It is. It's so much fun. I think that they really leaned heavily into the rich people are weird and they do (laughs) criminal things all the time. Trope and like the way that it's like, it's both funny and not funny, um, which is something that Nancy Drew does really well. Like they, they do sort of like, um, make lighthearted jokes about the some of the rich people situations in Hershey Bay. But at the same time, they do take it seriously that, Hey, so it's possible that one of these families off somebody else and are trying to hide it. But it also involves Roman coins from a ship that sunk into the bottom of the ocean called the, was it the Bonnie Scott? Just so it can be a little bit know. ridiculous.
0: <laughs> He's doing it like Nancy Drew, like honestly, <laughs> um, uh, no, I remember seeing fo- photos of this episode I don't know whether it was years ago or recently. It just, I remember this episode visually and, uh, I have said it was a lot of fun. And now I do agree with you. It it was very much like kind of both tones. It was like, what do you see what rich people get up to? And then on the same side, wait a minute, is that what rich people get up to? So it definitely, it had like a mixture of tones and, but I think it was also one of the most important as far as answers go. We did learn a lot about. The Lucy Sable situation, Mm -hmm. how it happened, and that there's more to it, particularly, isn't it involving Nancy's father, perhaps, than we initially thought. So, um, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, her dad
1: was not in the episode, and yet he played a very large part Mm -hmm. in the episode, as we learn, come to find out.
2: Towards the end, and it's just like, so he was the lawyer. Handled everything, which is something that they, um, I believe Ryan had said earlier in the season, they did not know to the degree in which he handled things for the Hudsons. Yeah, it's a yikes situation, and, uh, and Nancy keeps thinking that like her dad's safe, it's fine, and then someone comes to pop her bubble and, um, to let her know mm, things are kind of shady actually about 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, the call's coming from inside the house, Nancy. Yeah. (laughs)
0: It's interesting because the father has been portrayed as kind of like a morally gray area for a character right from the beginning. But that was always through Nancy's eyes. You thought he was still a good man doing what he could to look after his daughter, even though he was quite flawed. Whereas now this episode, and there was another one as well, this episode's definitely cast a lot of doubt on what kind of character is I. And like Reed said, that's quite impressive that it managed to do that, considering he wasn't even in the episode.
2: It's very ominous now. Like I feel uncomfortable about her father. Like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I'm teen Nancy and I want everything to be okay. But at the same time, it feels very much like how Ryan was reacting to, well, specifically his mom and the way that she handled things. And it's a reminder that, like, there are things that your parents did in the past that you might not be so happy about if you were aware of it. And in Ryan's case is, like, it, something's funky about what went down with um, his mom and Lucy because Lucy caught her cheating on her husband, which she's like, you're in trouble. I was like, no, ma'am, you're in trouble.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Ryan doesn't know yet, right? He doesn't, Mm -hmm. but Nancy does because she put it all together. It's interesting. I feel like this episode did a whole lot with Ryan kind of like deconstructing him a little bit. and. Mm -hmm shining a different light on him as far as the viewers are concerned but i'm always wary of that when shows do that we're like for like the first few episodes they are like the villain and then they're like there's more to this guy than you thought and i'm like i'm not going to be fully on board yet (laughs) like i see what you're putting down but i'm not going to pick it up just yet
2: (laughs) yeah because there's like teen him is not adult him and while i do Mm -hmm. feel bad about like uh what his parents did to his relationship with lucy and how um, he didn't have any control on that situation. And then to find out the girl that you really liked was murdered can be really rough. But it's been 20 years, sir, and there's 20 years of stuff that you've done in the past. So I felt sorry for 17-year-old you. Late 30s, early 40s, something new.
1: No.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you go ahead, Michael. Sure. I was going to bring up something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I agree with that, and I really like that. That, yeah, he's also kind of like this morally gray or character. And yeah, he's not the villain of the story, but that doesn't mean he's the hero of the story either. Mm-hmm. There's definitely more to him. And I think that's instantly made him a more interesting character because, yes, he had a lot of this like surface level, arrogant nature about him that made him an obvious target. And I knew from going into it, that meant he definitely wasn't the villain here. But now you're starting to see that he also has his own things that make him a bit of a victim as far as the way his parents treated him, as far as the way his parents who his parents are and the world he was brought into does that make him a hero does that make him a likable character no but it does make him a very interesting one and i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of role he plays in the story going forward now that he may still be at the center of it but he's not directly responsible for it
1: yeah and now he's he's also being haunted by lucy sable Mm -hmm. and that's a connection that nancy now has with him which before she didn't see him as anything other than like this rich guy who probably killed his wife. And now she's like, hold on. He's being haunted by this ghost too. Also, this is what I was going to bring up before the motif of Lucy, like burning his ring into his finger. Mm -hmm. I thought was a very interesting, like I haven't even unpacked what that could all mean. Maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I thought it was a really, Oh my God. It was such a interesting visual. And also a really good thematic element because, like, he's it ties into his wife, right? So she's like Mm -hmm. burning his ring. So Nancy can see it and be like, oh, there's something here that's connecting all of this. I thought it was all well done with the burning ring. And then her kicking it into the puddle, I thought was really funny too. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, is she like, I wondered, like, is she vengeful because she did love him and he moved on? Is it that, like, you, some, whatever is happening within two important women in your life have suffered similar fates like mm. connect the dots to how you are involved with this ryan like because she might lucy might be like look like there's me and then there's your wife like wake up
1: something's mm-hmm. yeah, not right she left that message in the ring the new inscription where like the lucy's death led to um tiffany's death but even where we are now and we know like what happened with Ryan's parents, it feels like we can kind of like piece together like, oh, this kind of led to this somehow. But I know that it's not going to be that simple. There's no way. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking I was thinking about the episode. I was like, oh, okay, I got it. And then I'm like, no, wait, hold on. <laughs> it's never that easy.
2: <laughs> but it does have something to do with the Marvins and this Hudson Marvin clash. Um that like uh, they were business partners, the Bonnie Scott sunk, um, the patriarch of the Marvins passed away, he was cheating with Ryan's mom, like something is clearly uh, not right between these two families and Owen was going to use the coins to prove that, that I guess the Hudsons made sure the ship would fail because of his, I think that's his uncle, his uncle, I was like so But you're accusing the Hudson's of being willing to kill not just your uncle, but a fleet full of people, not a fleet, sorry, a ship full of people. Mm -hmm. That's heavy and a lot and a large Mm -hmm. accusation.
0: It is. And I think that played really nicely into the episode because everybody wanted the coins for different reasons. And I know we're getting to it, but that that really directly impacted the Nick and Nancy conflict as well. It really did. Shall we get get into into that? that? Let me
1: put my let me put my water down so we can get into this. As soon as I saw her, and I think this was earlier in the episode, when she declined that call from Nick, I was like, okay, it's going down. Ship is starting to sink. He feels so insecure in this relationship because she keeps choosing everything else than him and she's not fully trusting him. And there's just so much to unpack that every scene that I was like, she is so confident in her own skin and she is so independent that she doesn't think that anything she doesn't think anything of declining his call at least in my reading that she's just like I'll I I will get to that I'm focused on this but he sees things like her putting her hand on Owen's arm or like she see he sees how she's acting at that party and he's just there's such a big gulf between them that sort of is of Nancy's making and oh my God, this relationship, I could talk about this relationship for hours because it's so fascinating to me.
2: <laughs> it's one of the most hurtful relationships I've seen.
1: <laughs> Sabrina's feelings um, are hurt.
2: <laughs> yes, but I think it's also, it's because they really, they would work really well as a couple if Nancy were in a position to be a we. And she's just not. Um, mm-hmm. She wants to be. Uh, you could You could tell that like when she's actually with Nick, she's with Nick. But when she has to go off to do her investigating, as George George points out, you know, she's um, relentless. Like she's relentlessly about digging up the truth and she will do whatever she needs to do in order to do that. And like the, um, even if it means sidestepping his feelings for what she needs, like, so it's very important to him to get to the bottom of what's, what happened to Tiffany. And while that's important to Nancy, Lucy Sable is more important to her. And so that clash, when she was like, I'm not going to give you the coins. And so then they have to go to the party to try to steal the coins. And then later she says, you know, she says something about them being a we at the end. And God bless him. He, like she wasn't even paying attention to the fact that his eyes were red and he was crying. He was like starting to cry. And I was like, Nancy, I think he's trying to break up with you like right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And you're not really, you're not seeing it. Uh, and then, of course, Owen shows up. And she's like, I'll handle it. And she's handling it. And I'm just like, girl, but handling it would have been sending him on his way after like a two minute conversation. You've probably been out here for about 10 minutes. Nick is watching you from the window. You're telling Owen that your heart belongs to to Nick. But at the same time, you're rubbing Owen's shoulder with your thumb as you look up into his eyes and don't look away. (laughs) It's not... The signals are not, you're not giving the right signals. They're mixed signals. And then just like, Nick, you don't have to break up with her. I love her, you love her, you're gonna have to break up with her for your sanity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that's it, that, because the episode really took us on quite the journey. Because when it started. At, Nick had told her all about how he was trailing Owen and the two of them knew they were doing that whereas in the previous episode it was very much left on that cliffhanger that Nick was calling Nancy and saying be cautious of Owen and she didn't pick up the phone so they did they did have that communicative moment off screen that did happen so you thought they were back on track and then as the episode went on and the episode went on she kept picking anything but him which is obviously was highlighted in the phone call. But then obviously, as you said, Reid, that it's like she was literally relentless as far as everything else except Nick. She was choosing everything else but him. And then at the end, when that everything else looked like Owen, you could see that the cracks really started to show. And even though she ultimately didn't choose him in the end, I don't think Nick's heart is in it anymore because he knows what Nancy's like.
1: Their timing is just so deeply off. Like he, that I don't think she's giving him what he was initially looking for. And I think she's just not prepared for that. I think she's still trying to compartmentalize things. She's like, okay, so I have my relationship over here and I'm going to do this stuff on my own here. But even though everybody else wants to join me on these missions, I, I know that I can do it alone and I want to do it alone because I need to put some walls up. And that's just not beneficial to a, a new relationship. And I also thought it was... I thought they were planting the seed of George and Nick,
0: Yeah, but it wasn't
1: a seed. It was like a fully bloomed flower that they then like repotted into a, a garden. Like it was not a seed. <laughs> I was fully, pro- I was like, Oh, they're looking at each other. They're going to be paired up. So and by the end of it, I was like, Oh, there's already a connection built here. Cause I mean, I knew that these two are at some point get together. And I was always like searching for how it doesn't seem from where we are that that could ever be, um, in my mind, a reality, but I know how these shows work. Like they always just like decide to pair two characters if there's chemistry. But I didn't expect it this soon. Mm-hmm. Like it, it. I'll say it again. It just was not a seed. It was like a fully, <laughs> it was a
0: full plant that they right plotted. <laughs> <laughs> and that that came out as a surprise to me as well because George is growing on these people. She or she, she's starting to bond with them a lot more, but. Nick's one of the ones she hasn't really had that many direct interactions with. And yet all of a sudden she's the one he was get she was getting on the best with. So it does feel like, as you said, it's like a full-blown tree at this point. It's not it, it kind of happened overnight. But like the scenes work. The actors work, yeah, work, gave it everything. They were great scenes, and I can absolutely see where it's going now.
2: Yeah. And I think that the um what Nancy Drew does really well is that when they're going to do pairings, or people that you're supposed to be paying attention to their relationship with. Like they, they don't tease it. They don't hint at it. We're just kind of there and yeah. not like romantically necessarily, just that like, you can see the connection building. There are two things that like, well, no, actually there were three things that like I zeroed in on. Um, Cause the, the show does a really good job of showing and the actors too, of showing um, connections. So there's like, there's when Nick and Nancy were talking about um, Nick, like uh, serv- trailing Owen. And she gets excited when he says that he was, he was stalking him. And, uh, <laughs> and then her excitement goes away when he says it's not something for him. And I was like, oh, so that's like a little tiny crack. She doesn't quite like how cautious she, he is, but she covers it with being a little flirty. And then you have um, the tension between Nick and Owen. When um, Owen calls him Nicholas, and that's not his name, and she she says at the same time Nick does, but then she also watches Owen walk away in front of Nick, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, girl, can we get it together? And then they all see, they all see the interaction between Nick and Nancy at the end of the episode, like literally George and Ace look at him when she's walking away, and I was like, so George is picked up on it ace has picked up on it nancy the fractures in your relationship everybody else is picking up on it even Bess, who's distracted with elizabeth stuff picked up on it and you haven't picked up on it yet that yeah. is a like a warning sign that's the like five alarm fire and she's like i don't see a blaze it's for five <laughs> yeah.
1: she has tunnel vision for sure
2: she does
1: i think another thing that i thought was so um clever i guess about george and nick interacting in this episode is like we kind of see like he she's providing something that is clearly missing from his relationship with nancy not that it's like replaceable or anything but like he has that like um camaraderie with her Mm -hmm. that he's kind Mm -hmm. of like he felt with nancy early on where they were like together breaking into places and like doing all that together and she's sort of like as she gets deeper into this, she's kind of like pulling back and doing more things on her, on her own. We kind of see like where George can like slide in and provide that sort of relationship, that friendship, that togetherness that Nancy's not great at, at the moment.
2: Mm-mm. I had a question though. And um, it's the same point that you just made Reed, which is, do you think in the way that they're writing these two different relationships, um, it's coming off to me that like George and Nick are having a conversation about the, the, the information they find. And usually Nick and Nancy are relaying information to each other with one of them being impressed. It's not it doesn't always feel like a conversation, like she's standing back and impressed by something that he figured out. He's standing back impressed by something that she figured out, but they don't always seem to be together in, in their discoveries.
1: I would say on that point, maybe there's a little bit of like a power imbalance in that particular relationship. I can't explain it more than that, but that's how I kind of like see it where she kind of Nancy. We know Nancy's a um, information gatherer. Mm -hmm. She loves to get information. So I think that's maybe one of her love languages is like, oh.
0: You found that clue. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the interesting thing about that relationship. And I think it says uh, we, we're really of all the things and all the conflicts and all the characters in this episode, I think we are now starting to see that it's definitely I don't want to say that it's it, it's not Nancy, it's not Nick, it's Nancy, but it definitely is a problem on Nancy's end and that she's having a problem connecting because every good relationship and maybe say the word friendship sounds a bit weird, but every good relationship has to have like a kinship or a friendship in it for it to work. And Nick and Nancy doesn't seem to have that. Uh, Just the same way that you see Nancy is having a problem connecting with the other people as friends as well. It's not just Nick, she's isolating. It's her entire friendship group, but obviously it's Nick who needs her more because they're actually supposed to be in a relationship. So I think the fact that George and Nick have now established that base friendship before, their ultimate relationship that's why that'll probably ultimately work better whereas i know a lot of nick and nancy happened off screen but they never really had that friendship or that kinship to begin with so she doesn't know how to be a friend to someone so i think that's why she's struggling to be in a relationship with him that's a way too.
1: that maybe nancy thinks that by keeping them out of it she's protecting them from these things but she doesn't communicate that well like if Mm -hmm. she just had like Mm -hmm. a conversation and was like I'm going to do this, like, like, tell them your plan. Like the, in the previous episode, I remember praising how well she kind of made connections with Bess and George. Like they were, they had that friendship moment. They had that bonding moment. And then this, this episode, she kind of takes a step back from that and goes back to being guarded and not telling everybody everything and being, I don't want to say untrusting of her friends, but it comes off that way when you don't tell somebody something they're like oh so you don't trust me with that Mm -hmm. and -hmm. i think in her mind she's like i'm protecting them but if you don't vocalize that how do you expect them to see it they're going to be a little bit hurt that up until this point you are all in it together and now you're off with the previous enemy and you're not explaining why
2: (laughs) and she's not used to having to explain herself You can tell that like she's used to, I found this thing. I'm going to give you the information about it. You can give me some information back that I don't know about, but we're not, this is not a partnership. Mm -hmm. Like they always have to sort of like force the issue or if her agenda needs additional bodies, then she's okay with having additional bodies. If it doesn't, she's like a lone wolf and she can figure it out herself and none of them want to to do that they like they want to be the true crew they want to solve things together and she's just not there yet she has a lot of emotional intelligence she doesn't have a lot of emotional intelligence when it comes to her personal relationships which is funny because george has a lot of emotional intelligence she just doesn't always use it but in this episode she did like she's watching nick the entire time she's like you're not a hundred percent okay he's like i rounded up it's like No, because it's not even like you're 98% okay. You're like, you're like hovering at a 50. You're not, um, you're not fine with what's going on. And she connects to that and she softens to it. And um, that's because George is a big old softy though. She hides it. She's soft towards best too.
0: Yeah. I was going to say that when she came in and knew the exact magic words that would make best best smile after uh, Elizabeth left the debt. I think that was one of the most impressive moments for me because this was a big George episode, even though it wasn't a George episode. So I think mm-hmm. if they've accomplished that, that they hit the nail on the head there. That was, a, I'm very happy with where George is as a character, especially after the journey she's had over the last couple of episodes.
2: She's such a standout. And I feel mm-hmm. like with each episode, we get like more and more of how, I'm going to make this prediction now. I think she's the glue that holds the group together. Or will become the glue that holds the group Yeah, together.
1: she couldn't She's the one that'll whip them into shape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's the natural leader, whereas Nancy thinks she is, but it's like it's George. <laughs> it's George. <laughs> she she runs the claw with an iron fist.
2: <laughs> she does, and for inventory day did not get done. No, but no. <laughs> maybe they'll do it um, when they have like only one customer in the claw. I did love that Lizbeth mentioned that. She's like, yeah, not Lizbeth
1: dragging the them. It's like that was. <laughs> Not necessary. <laughs> and Paul, can I just say justice for Ace a little bit in this episode? He was the waiter. He was the chauffeur. Right. He did. He did cut the power at the the big mansion, which was immediately turned back on. But I was like, not. Why does Ace have to be the chauffeur? I mean, <laughs> but he he loves being the silly guy. But i was like come on we need more ace maybe that's just me
2: <laughs> it wasn't it was a, an, an ace like episode just why there was also i believe no nace so there's no nace watch mm-hmm. um yeah. nope. this this uh review but he was a very solid Potanker for bass who was freaking out about this <laughs> i
1: still really episode. love their i love their dynamic so much it's yeah. so sweet I think more so than like the mystery. I'm really looking forward because we're what we've really connected with, and what we talk about the most is like Nancy's development. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's what another thing that I'm like, as much as I want to know like the truth of the mystery, like I really want to see her growth and see her start to cool down and let more people in. I think that's what I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to. Definitely,
2: same. Because there's that great conversation between her and Nick where he, she asked him to trust her and he asked her to trust him and let him in. And she says soon, which is, I've never heard anyone do that.
0: No. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Nancy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And he's just supposed to be okay. And I think one of the things maybe that season one is going to cover is that you cannot put people on your timetable Mm -hmm. of growth. That's not not how that works. It's not. I think she's going to have to learn that the hard way, unfortunately.
1: And she'll deserve it. She Sorry, will. Nancy. Love you so much, girl, but you need, <laughs> a, you need a rude awakening. <laughs> she
2: does. She does. She'll probably get one, I guess, coming soon. But we'll be team Nancy forever. Mm, yeah. Just Nick, break up with her. Hey. <laughs> right. So uh, since we are on a Nancy Drew journey, guys, we are doing a special giveaway of all three seasons of Nancy Drew on dvd and for the information on this contest please go to our twitter we are at cw spiral uh and you'll find a pin tweet with everything that you have to do in order to uh, get into the contest
1: let's go drew crow mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so michael it is your time to talk all about Stargirl. well as much as you can without cw once again being like um slow you
0: roll <laughs> it's, it's all good i got the go ahead on this one um, <laughs> uh, so yeah Stargirl season three premieres wednesday august 31st that is not the last time i'm going to say that um uh, yes yeah, so uh season three it i have to say i've seen the first episode and it definitely it maintains that wonderfully nostalgic tone that we love about the show so much it's, it's very high quality production It's film, it's shot like a movie It's got a lovely golden age look about it And I have to say all of that Within the first two minutes of season three All of that is back It felt like I was watching season one all over again um, So what can I talk about season three This stuff's already out there So I'll talk about that It's Season three is basically a murder mystery And mm. the character that, right? in the town of Blue Valley We don't know how but a character is dies and it's up to the Justice Society of America and their former enemies, the Injustice Society, to work together to figure out who committed the murder. The heroes obviously want to solve the murder while the villains need to prove themselves that they didn't do it. This season is subtitled Stargirl for enemies, just like last season was subtitled Summer School. So again, it's about working with their enemies. I love um, yes, it's so good. Um, uh, it's so lighthearted, but at the same time, it's obviously it has it has some heavy stuff to deal with. But I have to say, I from what I've seen so far, it feels like you're going to watch an Agatha Christie novel unfold <laughs> with cosmic staffs and superhero outfits and br- bright bright colors and a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I am really looking forward to whatever the season has in store, because it very well could be the best season yet. This is the first time we're going into a show, into the show with its clear storyline outlined. And I think judging by the names of the episodes, the first episode is called the murder. The second episode is called the suspects. I think each episode is going to get us that little bit closer to who actually committed the murder. And we're going to see if the Justice Society and the Injustice Society can work together to solve who committed the murder or find out, did one of them commit the murder? So there's a lot going into Stargirl season three. I think it's got all the makings of being its best season yet. It's a lot of fun, but at the same time, there are some great character moments and that's just in the first episode. And I can't wait to see the story unfold. The thing that sets Stargirl apart, from the rest of the shows on the network, bar maybe Superman OS, us, is that it's not episodic. It's basically a 13-part movie, and this definitely looks like it's going to be the same, but with a dash of Agatha Christie to make it slightly more episodic with the murder of the suspects and all of the above. So I'm very excited for the season. I have waited so long for more Stargirl, and I will be tuning in on Wednesday, August 31st at 8 mm-hmm. p.m. to watch uh, to watch season the season three premiere. And I hope everyone else will tune in because we don't know what shows will make it out of the season alive. Stargirl is an expensive show about a teenager. We know the CW does not like that anymore. So please, everyone, tune in. Uh, If you're not going to tune in, leave your televisions on the CW on August 31st (laughs) on Wednesday at 8 p.m. You two do the same. Just kidding. Um, Well, I was about to
1: say that was... An amazing pitch like you convinced mm-hmm. me to watch it and i've had zero interest in the show i'm gonna be honest zero interest in the show and now i'm like am i watching star girl season three i think <laughs> it I am. sounds
2: really cool like <laughs> yeah. it sounds like you had us at murder mystery
0: uh i'm glad um season one was very grounded but it was basically the jsa versus the isa season two was about a supernatural demon so i think season three takes it right back to the heart of the show being all about the town and there's it's just it's going to focus on all of the characters some of them are going to be obviously heroes some of them are obviously going to be villains how will they work together and is there a greater threat that they should all be working together to take down it's light it's fun it's youthful and yet at the same time it has all those same production values that superman always does it's a big budget show it's it's of a higher standard than most of the stuff you'll see on the CW, and I say that as a lifelong CW fan. Um, this show deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible, but I will accept you all watching it on the small screen on Wednesday, <laughs> August thirty first <31st laughs> at eight pm. Tune in; you will not regret it.
1: Well, perhaps I will be watching on Wednesday, August thirty first at eight
0: pm on the CW. Say yes. say, turn that TV on, you guys. Do that. See Stargirl Star <laughs> <laughs> Girl.
2: So. Are you doing an in the dark? Catch up? Are we doing a Let, little?
0: Yeah,
1: let's get into in the dark. Um, I had planned. I'm. I've been like four episodes behind. I think it was three or f- maybe five. I don't even know. I think the last one that I talked about was the trial.
2: Yeah, well, at least you're watching because uh, Roswell, Mexico hasn't seen me <laughs> uh, since, <laughs> since the premiere. So, like,
1: <laughs> so I did catch up. I just hadn't been in the mood to watch it, but I decided to catch up because I saw a promo with. Murphy and Max together and I was like that's not how I left them so let me see what's happening so I catch up and my feelings have been hurt I Mm -hmm. there's some stuff that like I don't love like the episode where Murphy and Max get back together they spent like an hour in a motel room just like screaming at each other and it got a little too real and I was like I don't know if I wanted to see them spoiler get engaged after they're just like yelling I hate you at each other for an hour it was a lot Um, as much as I do love them and wanted them to be together I was like maybe not that way Um, okay but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each episode because at the end of the most recent episode there was a revelation that had me wanting to throw my remote at the television and just like flip tables so do you remember at the beginning of the season when I told you guys that Murphy there was a flash forward to Murphy Mm -hmm. In a nice dress, and she was walking down the hallway with Darnell, and it's hinted that something happens to Darnell and he dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys remember that? Okay. Yeah. So we're finally getting to that because there's only two episodes left. Um, so we get another flash forward of in this most recent episode of Murphy in the dress with Darnell. And then it cuts to her on the ground screaming and crying, and, and there's a person on the ground who is clearly not well. We don't see who that person is, which I've come to realize. But there's a close up on a button on the coat, and at the end of the episode, we see back Max and Murphy getting ready for whatever this event is. I don't remember what it is, but it's not important to my feelings. Um that there's a close-up on the button on Max's jacket. Oh, no. I just got chills. It is not Darnell who is on the ground possibly dying. It is Max. Of course. Of course it is. Okay. I, I, if this man dies, (laughs) (laughs) the amount of anger I will feel for watching these four seasons of the show, exponential. And I'm not usually one to get really angry because I remember when um, Veronica Mars came back and in the revival in the last episode spoiler to anybody that has not watched this show that's been out for five years. Now they kill Logan after he and Veronica get married. I wasn't like the most angry about that. Cause I didn't really like Logan if I'm being honest. So I was like, eh, whatever fans hated that, which I, I like, I understand. I get the the anger behind it even more now because I actually like max. And if you're going to tell me that these two finally got engaged, which is wild and crazy, and they're gonna kill him. I, he, it better be like a, a misdirect. He better not actually be dead, or I I'm, I'm gonna throw a fit on this podcast. <laughs> 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 Any thoughts? Talk me down. <laughs> I,
2: okay, so you just see a close up of the button, right? You don't see the person
1: at all. I don't believe so, but Murphy is saying while she's like feeling the wound because she. Obviously she can't see, but she's like, by feeling the wound in the blood, she's like, this person is dead. And she's saying, I love you. That's not something she would say to Darnell. Oh,
2: wow. So the
1: button matches and she's saying, I love you. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's Max. And.
2: Ugh. Well, hopefully it, it is sort of a. Um, it's just to get you to tune into the next episode and it's it plot twist not who you thought it was sort of situation. I have to say I'm probably not the person to talk you down considering the fact <laughs> that one of my favorite shows was the 100 and this is a spoiler for anyone who who did not finish that Clark shoots Bellamy mm-hmm. um in the in the last two episodes and then his then she just leaves him and he dies. And- if
1: <sighs> if they do more of this, they pull back and show more of this and it was somehow Murphy that shot him. Mm-hmm. I'll be right there with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's wild. Shock writing. the um, You know what? Let's just get up on the soapbox. Please, writers, when you write things, shock writing is not the writing that you should go with. You know why shock writing is bad? It's because it throws away everything you built season's worth of.
0: Mm-hmm. For,
2: for the one moment of, yes, you'll have an audience spike. And then what is the legacy of your show? Get them pissed off, everybody in the fandom. And people most likely aren't going to tune in to what you do next because they don't trust you. Like don't do that. Like doing a bait and switch, fine. It's emotionally manipulative, but fine. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. killing um, the like your main dude and having your um your your lead your girl uh, traumatized over it. Not the motion. It's not it. Mm-hmm. Please don't do it. Hopefully they didn't do that.
1: I have to issue an apology to Cody, our friend, our colleague, and a friend of the pod, a frequent listener. Yes. I. We argued when Stranger Things season four came out, and he was very adamant that he did not like the death fake outs in season four of Stranger Things. And I was like, I don't know, it worked for me. And now I'm watching a potential death fake out. And there actually was because they made us think it was Darnell, and it, it turns out it's not Darnell for now, allegedly. We'll see. But Cody,
0: I understand. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you said when you're secretly hoping it's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just
1: don't like being in this position of being emotionally manipulated. I don't want them to do it. That's not the argument that I'm making. I'm just like mad that it's happening at all. I don't know. <laughs> at least this far in the season, I don't want to be worried about Max going into the series finale. If they were going to do this, I wish they would have just shown it being Max from the beginning. So that like throughout the whole season, we're kind of like, Oh my God, is Max going to actually die? Or like, how does this happen? Um, but yeah, I'm, I was so, frustrated when i saw that and i was like well i'm not talking about any of the other episodes i'm talking about that moment
2: (laughs) (laughs) but hopefully it's emotion manipulation, and it is a bait and switch not it's emotion manipulations, but actually we are actually going to kill him and have fun with with that feeling because i just you know what manifesting that that does not happen to you
1: Mm -hmm. (sighs) i know
2: A hit piece is coming on the pod if it
1: does. (laughs) (laughs) Just leave space. I will say that the um we we already know that the show filmed two different endings. They filmed a Mm -hmm. cliffhanger ending because, as we've talked about in the history of this podcast no one knew if they were going to be renewed. So mm-hmm. In the Dark clearly took that and was like, maybe we get renewed and we use the cliffhanger. Maybe we just don't. And th- so they filmed two endings and they obviously did not use the cliffhanger. So fingers crossed all swell that ends well.
2: Yes. Do you have to wait a week or is it coming back on?
1: Um, I think it's. it ends the first week of September and it's all in succession. So no breaks.
2: Oh, okay, well, good. Then you don't have to sit there for like, Two to three weeks <laughs> Wait, <laughs> waiting. for for news about Max.
1: Justice for Max. Justice for <laughs> Max.
2: So before we end, read. I know you've been excited about the
1: 9021 So excited. But so, get them excited for it. Yes. Next week, we're going to do a full pod about the CW's 90210 for its 14th anniversary. I'll explain why we're celebrating the 14th and not the 15th. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about, I'm going to do a little oral history of the show and um, talk about my favorite. And we're going to talk about the, the first episode. So if you want to watch along with us, we're all going to watch the pilot and discuss it in detail and be honest The two of you, I'm telling you, you don't have to pretend to like it for me. We'll talk honestly (laughs) about it. (laughs) So yeah, prepare for a fun uh, hour of 90210.
2: I'm excited because we, um, this has been like a few like nostalgic weeks for us and we're doing some more nostalgia now, going back to the, is that? Early aughts, mid aughts? uh, 2008, yeah. Okay, oh, right when when, um, teen dramas were kind of Dying. So, this would have been one of the last great. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, they snuck in the door.
2: (laughs) All right, I cannot wait for that for the 90210 pod. But um, this is it for us for this pod, you guys. So, we are the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina.
0: I'm Michael. I'm Reed.
2: Bye, y'all. Watch the 90210 pilot.